All right, it's uh, 424 here on the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Colby Daniels, Scott File alongside as well. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We'd like to hear from you on the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line 918-262-5072. So tonight is round three for Wimby and the Spurs versus Oklahoma City. And that also means we get a, another look at the potential head-to-head matchup between the two individuals that are going to come down to who could potentially be Rookie of the Year in the NBA with Chet Holmgren and also Victor Wimbenyama. I mean, is anybody else really in the running? I San Antonio Spurs. Well, I think it's really those between no. those two. Are you, no. are you 100% sure? Yes. Hmm. You're probably right. You're probably right. I do think, though, you don't think Brandon Miller has a shot at all? No. No. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, moving on, next topic. Um, I wanted to, to talk about the matchup between the two. Uh, I have some numbers here from just Chet Holmgren and what he has meant to Oklahoma City so far. So uh, when they've when they've played the Spurs mainly. So if you remember, it was a foregone conclusion through the first, what, month and a half of the season that Chet Holmgren was winning Rookie of the Year. And now that we've moved into February, it's become far more of a question. And the majority of people that cover the NBA on a nightly basis have said, hey, Wimbenyama has has passed Chet Holmgren, is now the clear leader in the clubhouse for this. So against the Spurs, Chet, a terrible San Antonio team, by the way, um, has accounted for almost 14% of his team's made three-pointers when they've played San Antonio. Um, Versus the Spurs, they have averaged 102.9 possessions per game, which is 14th amongst the teams, while the Spurs are one of the fastest, ranking third with 104.6 possessions per contest. I don't want things to get twisted in the numbers because you'll go and you'll look at Chet's numbers versus the Spurs, and most people will equate that to, oh, well, that's the head-to-head matchup everyone's going to wonder about when we vote for Rookie of the Year. So don't just get caught up strictly in that. But we do. he has played incredibly well against San Antonio in those moments, and it's been fun to see those two go head-to-head against each other. And I love it because it seems like they try to want to do the, the one-ups part of the game where one will have a big play and then Wimby will have a big play and then stare at Chet. So the, the competition back and forth between the two has been, has been really good. But in what areas has Chet actually been better than Wimby at? Well, Holmgren's been a much better shooter than what Wimby has. Holmgren's having a historic season. He was the first rookie to ever hit at least 50% of his shots, 39% of his threes, and 77% of his free throws while attempting at least 200 threes. He's also one of the best big, uh, best shooting big men that's already in the game. Wimby hasn't quite had that same level yet. Uh, he didn't have a great percentage of threes in France either. Uh, he, he's at a mediocre 32% from deep this season. But everything else, though... Like Wimby has clearly been the leader in the clubhouse from a statistical standpoint, and then just 
watching his game develop as he started to pick up a few more minutes here in the second half. The one area that I've been really surprised with with Wimby has been his passing. After not being used so much in that role overseas, he has already turned into one of the best passing big men in the league. And Wimbignana is already kind of one of the leaders in the in the clubhouse too. I got rookie winning the defensive player of the year. I mean, if he hadn't got drafted onto a team that's one of the worst in in league history last season, I mean, he's leading the league in blocks as a 20-year-old. Superstars are afraid to go at him. Intimidation's been a pretty big factor for that as well. And Kyrie Irving even backed up that statement, uh, getting a rare layup past Wimby's eight-foot wingspan. But they asked Wimby after it and said, yeah, in the future, I don't know how many more that I'll even be able to get on him because of how much ground that he covers. Holmgren's a great defender in his own right. His rim protection's been excellent, and he's helped improve the Thunder's 13th-ranked defense last year to number four this season. But he's not kind of changing the entire tenor of a game like Wimby is at this point. So uh, I, this is round three again between the two, and it's been a ton of fun. And I just I think that we'll go completely overboard with what just specific numbers in this matchup between these two teams look like when that's not telling the entire story of what we've seen. And that's not taking anything away from Chet. It's just you've got a generational rookie that's doing things in Wimby that we haven't seen yet. And in any other year, there's no question that like Chet would win the MVP or excuse me, would win rookie of the year. And it wouldn't even be close. He's just got an alien that he's going up against this year. And look, there will be people that value Chet doing what he's doing for a title contender, right? Versus like Wimby doing what he's doing for the worst team in the NBA. And they already are because the the statement has, has shifted to, well, I mean, LeBron increased the win by the Cavs by this number of games. Why, why isn't Wimby doing that? Like, that's the argument now. Right. But it's, you know, the, the comparisons are, are very difficult because it's apples to oranges, I think, in terms of, like, what they are doing and the roles they're playing for their team. And, I mean, you have a contender and, and the worst team in the league. You have, like, Wimby should be leading Chet in in just overall statistics because of the team he played. Like, he plays with a bunch of dudes that aren't going to pile up statistics versus, like, Chet playing with, you know, arguably the MVP of the league and, and a couple of other players that are, are all-star caliber guys. It would also make more sense if Chet was a more efficient player because of the players around him than Wimby is statistically, right? Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, he's going to have better looks and, you know, things of that nature. Like, the way that it works... It's it's apples to oranges in, in so many ways that, you know, I think you just have to appreciate the opportunities you get for these guys to be on the floor at the same time and have those, those you know, stretches of a game where they go at each other and appreciate that for what it is. But, you know, everybody's going to have a preference between the two. I just don't, I don't know how, when you start bringing stats into the equation and all of that, how you can realistically... I think equate one versus the other. And and I would even add this. How many players on the Spurs roster, if you if if you made Wimby unavailable and the Thunder absorbed the San Antonio organization, <laughs> how many Spurs players would be on the Thunder's active roster right now? Oh my god, are you kidding me? Trey Jones would be starting. Uh you probably have uh <laughs> Okay, I can't even I can't even keep a straight face and say the rest of it. <laughs> Any of them? 
Um, like Sohan maybe as a like defensive specialist. I, I don't probably know. been averaging like seven minutes a game. Right. If that. Yeah, like it's just that that is a god awful roster, and and the Thunder's roster on the other hand is absolutely loaded. Like they're they're just in such different spots and being asked to do completely different things and one of them is the face of the organization right and the future the other one is is basically the the third member of the big trio zach collins might find a spot because he would be the one (laughs) big man right that oklahoma city would have but i mean outside of it like in his minutes would be incredibly limited too yeah yeah it's tough i think to compare them in terms of stats and 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 stuff like that i think you just kind of have to Watch the two guys play and understand that it's completely different scenarios and take that for what it's worth. So the the odds and how they have flipped for rookie of the year now, and it's all changed within a span of two months. So Wimbenyama is now the massive minus 650 favorite at Bet, Bet MGM while Holmgren's at plus 500 now. That's how much it's changed in the last two months. That's that's pretty incredible, considering what that number was before. But to your point, yeah, we focus far too much sometimes on just the overall statistics side of this, right? Instead of having true context of all what's what's included in this, it should be an easy win for the Thunder tonight to add to their to their total for yeah, it should sure. Be, like literally the only reason you should be watching this is to cross your fingers and hope that we get stretches like the last game where Chet and Wimby just go at each other and, and, you know, maybe get signs of this rivalry that they don't like each other displayed a little bit more, but yeah, the, the Spurs have no business other than that being on the same floor as the Thunder right now. You know what's funny about everyone just automatically catapulting that into some sort of rivalry? It's just strictly between the two. Like, San Antonio is like five years away from this even being a <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. Someone, a reporter today, was asking Wimby about his patience. He was like, yeah, I, I, I understand what happens in a complete rebuild. Like, he said they've been one... 100% honest with me about the time frame that we're talking about here. Like Wimby was even talking through like first extension with San Antonio type for the type of of rebuild that they're talking about, but everyone just wants to rush to, "Oh, the rivalry the NBA needs." Well, <laughs> let me yeah. tell you about that rivalry. You're going to have to wait a while for this think to about, fit the definition. Think about the Thunder rebuild. And, you know, there were a couple years there that felt like a decade, right? Like, they were really bad for a couple years. It was not fun to watch. That felt like a long time. And in in actuality, it's one of the quickest turnarounds in NBA history in terms of watching a team tear down its roster to rebuild it. And they even did that with Shea as part of the organization when they tore things down. Right? Like, they they didn't start from zero because you already had Shea on the roster when you traded Paul George, a a potential future MVP of the league. And it was that difficult to rebuild it. And you you hit on basically every lottery pick that you've had in that time as well. 
Like it's it's not it's not an easy thing to do. Although the Thunder have made it look very very easy. And it just goes to the more the legacy of Sam Presti. Just another notch there in the uh, great GM belt that is that the rebuild did not take the significant amount of time that everyone thought that it might. How are you feeling about your Bucks, by the way, Scott? Got to be feeling a little bit better. Absolutely. You play the Hornets again tonight in Charlotte, so it should be another 40-point win. But, um, yeah, they have the fourth toughest schedule coming down the stretch, so they should be – you'll know going into the playoffs how good they are. But 3-0 and and three convincing wins, including two against Minnesota and Philadelphia on the road. I think they're. I tweeted after the win uh, in Minnesota. The Bucks are back. Is Minnesota a pretender? I think so. I think they'll win at least one playoff series. I don't know if they'll make the Western Conference Finals, but I think it depends on their playoff matchup. But yeah, that's I I I don't I don't have a lot of confidence. I, yeah, I'm having a hard time with trying to decide whether or not that they. Like they as a team as a whole are just empty calories or not, or whether you should absolutely put them into the contender category. I, I just I one just thing don't about know. them, at least so far during the regular season, statistically they're one of the better defensive teams in the league. So if you're a T Wolves fan, that you, I mean, that's something to hang your hat on going into the postseason. Now they're a young team too, kind of like the Thunder. Can that translate in the postseason? I don't know, but. Mm, I, yeah, I, I just don't haven't quite been able to to get there yet with how I feel about them. I mean, I like them, but I, I do. But I just can't get over Rudy Gobert on that team. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there are matchups in the West where you know his presence maybe isn't even like a necessity in. How much does that change, you know, the the overall defensive rating? Towns is one of those guys that I think, uh, since he's been in the league, has kind of had a reputation for not working hard and maybe not being tough and physical and, and you know, somewhat having that soft label, I guess. Like, how does he respond in a playoff series? He's played really well this year. But, you know, again, playoff basketball is just so different. And Anthony Edwards, I, I love watching him play. I think he's incredibly talented. But we've seen this so many times in, in the postseason when you have a team that's offensively led by like a, a volume scorer that's not terribly efficient and you need him to lead the way. Like, uh, do, do, that, dude, sometimes translate well to postseason success. Sometimes when you watch him, doesn't it feel like that their offense just comes to a screeching halt with that over dribble nonsense that you see from him sometimes? Yeah. yeah like, that's, my gosh. And in I the playoffs, get, that is not a recipe to, to win. I get that you're good defensively, but at some point, the inefficiencies in your offense with guys like like Edwards and Jaden McDaniels, who are who are good, and it's hard to knock with where where they are. But the statistic that is not great for them is that they are one of the worst crunch time teams in the NBA through the advanced metrics. Yeah, one of the worst, and that will, as you said, not play well when it comes to playoff time by any means. So it's just time to start taking stock of who you think is an, an actual contender. 
as we inch closer to the playoffs with Oklahoma City battling for the top spot. All right. It's why it's why Russ struggled so much in the postseason after KD left. It's why guys like, like Donovan Mitchell, I think, is another example of a guy like that that is ball dominant and and a volume shooter and offensively it just bogs down so much because you're depending on one guy to essentially play you know all-star hero type of basketball that if he doesn't go nuclear you end up in a bad spot and it just we've seen it in the nba so many times that it just over the course of a seven game series it's it's very difficult for one of those players to put together that many games where they can be the difference as opposed to you know, needing the help of, of an offense. All right, it's 441. It's time for a snack here on the Blitz 1170. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with that. We've got Colin Kennedy joining us in the 5 o'clock hour as well from Sooners Illustrated here on this Thursday edition of the show on the Blitz 1170. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Scott File, and Colby Daniels is alongside as well from the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studios here on the Blitz.